Welcome everybody to this month's Executive Challenges Town Hall with the Cirrus Business Group. This is Judy Harris, also known as Coach Judy, Vice President with the Cirrus Business Group. And I do have with me today Chris Reese, the President of the Cirrus Business Group. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Judy. Glad to be here. Uh, we're very glad to both be here because this is going to be a really, really a, a great topic following up on our series We've been doing a series on organizational health, and we talked about the cohesive leadership team already, and our next step in this would be to make sure that we have clarity around what we're doing. Well, good Lord, Chris, what in the world are we talking about with clarity? There could be so much going on here. You're, you're right, Judy, and to simplify this, I really like the way Lencioni does it in uh, the advantage, and that's the model that we use in our firm, is Lencioni's model from the advantage. And there's six primary questions that the organization needs to create clarity around. The first one is, why does the organization exist? And this is something that organizations did a little bit through the 80s with the mission and vision statements. And But what we're talking about is really deeper than that. And this is becoming increasingly important for the millennial workforce. They want to be associated with an organization that has some higher purpose beyond making a profit to stay in business or creating value for shareholders. So why the organization exists, what is the bigger purpose, uh, is extremely important. And I'll give you a case in point with a client that I was working with uh, a couple of years ago. And... This this happened to be a hostel, which is a really interesting organization to work with. They're in the hospitality industry, but they're at a at a special end of the hospitality. They're at the low end. <laughs> uh, thank you for clarifying that, because in this day and age, not too many people have heard of an, of a hostel. And no, he's not talking about a hostile environment. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's totally different. Totally different. So this is this is uh, they cater to a lot of international travelers that are on very tight budget, a lot of students that are coming over to the, the States and uh, on, on holiday, or they're taking a year to just tour different countries. Well, this hostel was located in, in Boston, and one of the challenges they were having was that they, uh, they were having problems closing the gap between the customer service uh, image, the brand image they wanted, and the feedback that they were getting from their uh, temporary residents. And so as I was meeting with the staff, we asked this question. I asked them, what, you know, why does this organization exist? And they said, well, we're here, you know, this is a place to stay. And after several minutes and kind of coaching them through this conversation, we arrived at the conclusion that they were really ambassadors of the United States and freedom and the whole ex grand experiment of democracy, the way the U.S. has done it, and all of this. And they were usually the first or second stop on somebody's tour to the United States. They wanted to come to Boston and see the birthplace of this whole experiment. It was very interesting to see the light in the eyes of the staff when they got it. 
And they said, yeah, we are ambassadors. And then the conversation changed to, well, okay, if we're ambassadors, then how should we behave, which is question number two. That's the second area. So the first area where we want to create clarity is around the why. Why does the organization exist in the first place? And secondly is how do we behave? Okay, if we exist for that purpose, what are the behavioral expectations we have of people that are going to be a part of this organization? And then there's a third question around which we want to create clarity, and that is, okay, what do we do? And this is one that is fairly easy for most organizations to answer because this gets to the business that we're in. In this case, they provide budget accommodations for, for travelers to the city of Boston. But, Chris, there may be some times when that isn't such an easy question to answer because uh, you're trying to figure out what's your niche, where, where do you actually belong in this world, and so we don't want to lightly put that question aside. That there can be a bit difficult question for some companies. You're, you're exactly right, and that is, that's the, the cause for a lot of confusion in many organizations, especially startups or organizations in which you're trying to conduct a turnaround. Knowing what business you're in is extremely important because it also tells you what business you're not in. Yes. And there was a big change for us in Cirrus, I remember, when we really narrowed down our answer to this question and started defining who is the client for us because that told us who we didn't need to be, you know, spending time with from a sales standpoint. Uh, it, it became very clear, and it helps you answer the question if you're in a networking group uh, people in networking groups, they want to know who is a good client for you. How do I know a good referral for you? And if you can't answer this third question, what business are you in? And part of that is, and who are you providing those services to? Yes. yes. Um, then you're not going to be able to tell them who's a good referral for you. And, and you're not going to get the value out of your networking groups. The other side of that is the organization is going to continue to waver from an operational standpoint, mm -hmm. because it's going to feel like you're in a new business each and every day, or you're not given the time to master a particular product or, or business model before the CEO or the leadership is pulling you off into another direction, because maybe they're just, they're trying to chase some sort of revenue opportunity. They really don't care what it is. Well, that's not a business. That's just a salesperson looking for some opportunity to make a sale, and they really don't care where it comes from. Uh, that's not a business model. Right. And so answering those first three questions is critical. Why does the organization exist? How do we behave? And what do we do? Uh, and I would add to what do we do and for whom. For whom, yes. Excellent. Yeah. Which, which takes us to our, our fourth question, and the fourth question is really starting to get into something that becomes a thematic goal to continue with Lencioni's model, and that is, what must we do to succeed? And this is where the organization gets into defining within its niche 
within the context of how uh, the organization is supposed to ha behave and why does it exist, what does it need to do to exceed in the marketplace? Right, and that, that word is so important. In this uh, competitive world we have right now, exceed has to be in that sentence. There's something that needs to make you unique, mm -hmm. something that needs to make you stand out. If, if that why is not unique and the what must we do to succeed, and I would say the definition of success is to be able to carry out and fulfill that why, mm -hmm. then you, you don't really have a right to be in business. And if you're an entrepreneur or thinking about diving into entrepreneurship and you're listening to this, uh, this is something I go over with my students in the graduate programs that I teach in, is that you might have a passion for a particular industry uh, or service. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to build a business around it. Right. It may mean that you need to go work for an organization with whom your values align and you be a, a great contributor to that organization. In order to succeed in business, there has to be something unique about you. You have to be providing some unique value to the marketplace. Sometimes it's that service or product simply does not exist within a convenient geography. Great. You're making it, you're adding convenience. Right. Uh, in other cases, you're you're fulfilling some other unmet need. But you need to be very clear around what must we do to succeed. And in today's day and age, it's very easy to just say, well, we've got to create uh, some sort of exceptional service to our customers. We're just going to smother them with customer service. Okay, but that means you're probably not going to be able to be the low-cost leader, so you need to understand how to build value around the level of customer service that you're providing such that people are willing to pay a premium for that so that you can afford to hire the kinds of people that are going to allow you to offer that level of customer service. Right. But this is right. something that Chick-fil-A, and we use that example. It's a great Atlanta example, but we could use Wegmans, which is a New England right. example. You know, that level of service, also locally Publix, Publix tries to do this. Uh, they, you know, they sort of compete on price, but really it's a different, they, they're selling the experience. If you look at their commercials on TV uh, and in the other media, they're really selling the experience, the premium shopping experience that you're going to have with them. Right. In fact, uh, it's interesting you should bring that up. I was in a, uh, a meeting that had nothing to do with what we're talking about, but the question came up around this kind of thing, and this whole group had those same answers. It said, if you were go, going to go to a fast food restaurant for lunch, you wanted to choose the best, where would you go? And immediately everybody said Chick-fil-A, and they asked a similar question about grocery shopping. This was the Department of Labor, by the way. And the same thing came up, you would go to Publix. Uh, so this is, you know, it's out there. We're not just kind of giving this lip service. It is out there that this is the way these 
companies of record of, of notorious notoriety really do it. Well, it, it's so important because you think about just the automobile industry, and at its at its essence, all automobiles provide the same basic thing: it's transportation, reliable transportation. You hope, but there is a reason that BMW and Mercedes and Porsche and you know Volvo, Audi, you know, pick your foreign manufacturer or premium American manu or premium American brand mm -hmm. there's a reason people are willing to pay that premium some of that is status uh, the same thing in watches a Rolex or Taghur or Breitling or whatever provides the same basic functionality as a $10 Timex but you have to understand what your customers are buying, what's the value right. they see in your brand. Some of that status, and maybe that's part of your company, you know, it it's a status thing. And there's a certain level of status associated with being your customer. Well, if you can do that, then what you must do to succeed is to be able to continue to build upon that, continue to maintain yourself as a status mm -hmm. brand. What that means is... By default, you do not compete on price. Right. Because then you devalue. Uh, there's a certain level of the market to whom you appeal. Uh, Rolls Royce, Bentley, uh, they do not try to appeal to the person that's trying to buy entry level transportation. Uh, they don't have, uh, they have very nominal growth goals. Uh, and they only make so many cars a year, and by limiting production, they keep the exclusivity around their brand. Right. So the answer to this what must we do to succeed is a very important answer mm -hmm. because it starts to define all of the other things right. that need to happen. It sets the bar. So that was, that was question number five or four. Four. And so that sets the bar to answer question number five, which is what's most important right now. Mm -hmm. And what's most important right now is the thing that's creating the biggest gap between where your organization currently sits and your answer to question number four. Right. So that becomes the most important thing right now. And as we work with organizations so many times, uh, we have the conversation, and they say, well, there's so many important things, understood. But if you keep backing up another level, you're going to get to one overarching thing that has within it these other important items. And that becomes then the focus, and these other things become sub-items, within that overall goal. But this what's most important right now is if we could only focus on, if we had to, if we had to forgo everything else and really focus intensely on something for the next nine, six to nine months, the reason I say six to nine months, and I really like nine months, 12 months is a year. It's forever out there, and people it really don't so focus on, mm -hmm. on those yearly goals until you start getting into quarter three. And by then, you've got so much momentum, and it's very difficult 
uh, and they start doing superficial things or temporary things to affect the outcome of that annual goal, uh, most of whom you're going to pay for those sins in the first and second quarter of the following year. But if you do a nine-month goal, that is, there's enough time to affect that, and it's near-term enough that it has meaning. Yes, yeah. And so uh, we really like those nine-month goals. So if, if, there, if we had to focus in on one thing and achieve this, if we achieve nothing else within the next nine months, what would it be? That is the answer to this, what's most important right now. You know, there's a tool we use in the coaching world sometimes when uh, you have trouble answering that question. And it's a simple backwards-looking Okay, so, but before we can do that, we would have to have done what? And you keep going backward until you can't go any further, and that gives you, okay, we got to start here. This is what's most important. So sometimes just taking that backward look is a, is a way to help you get there. Exactly, exactly. And I'll give an example that fits a lot of startups. It's generic enough that, that we can use this, and you'll get an idea of, for our listeners, they'll get an idea of what we mean by this, because some of you may be struggling to really get things down to one thing, uh, but it's so critical that you do that. In the startup world, oftentimes people want to say, well, revenue is most important. we got to get revenue out there. And when I coach startups, when I coach uh, the graduate students in the entrepreneur class that I teach, Hey, it's really cash flow. Cash flow can come from a couple of places. It either comes from investment or it comes from revenues. So when you say, okay, well, we need to focus on generating cash flow, now there are sub-items under that that have to do with revenue, making sure the product is, is viable, having collateral around the product so you have information. The sales team has some things that they can put out there, documentation, whatever. You might even have fundraising as a component of that. Mm -hmm. So it would be easy to say, well, we're, we're a startup. We've got to focus on getting revenue. We've got to focus on raising money. We've got to focus on finishing the product. We have to, these are all right. important. Well, okay, why are those all important? And asking, go back to the lean mm -hmm. methodology of the five whys. Right. And, and it's also part of root cause analysis, the five whys. It's that whole Toyota thing. So you start asking why. Why is that important? Okay, mm -hmm. well, why is that important? And, keep and you'll it up. get to, as you said, backing it up, you'll get to this one thing. Well, mm -hmm. it's important because we need cash flow to operate. Right. Okay. So we're focusing on cash, cash flow. flow. That becomes the what's most important right now. And then you've got, okay, so what do we need to do to do that? And that's where you set those supporting goals around that. Right. And so that brings us to the last and sixth question, which is who must do what by when? And this is where you start defining ownership. And at the level, at the leadership level of the organization, the who must do what by when is really, it's not so much around specific tasks that need to be done. I would take that one level down. It's who's going to own each of these subtasks around the goal. 
And sometimes it's actually very healthy for the organization to assign ownership to somebody who's not directly responsible for the people carrying out the task because it gives them insight into another part of the organization that might help them gain an understanding of why things are the way they are. Yeah, how these puzzle pieces fit together. Right? So mm-hmm. it's it's the ownership of the who must do what by when, assigning ownership. Who's going to be accountable for maintaining the scorecard on this particular objective? And that is going to mean that they're going to need to communicate. And then as you take this down each level in the organization, now you start getting very specific around assigning specific Mm -hmm. ownership around the task. Okay, so you own this task now, Judy. We're going to hold you accountable and responsible for this task. And if you have a team, then you're going to to create the sub items that are necessary for that task and delegate that and make sure that's communicated to to those people right and so these six questions are critical and we're at the end of our time so i want to just recap them why does the organization exist how do we behave what do we do what must we do to succeed and who must do what and by when um i'm sorry what must we do to succeed? What's most important right, right now? And who must do what by when? And not just answering those questions, but making sure the answers to those questions are written down and that you've got buy-in and commitment from that leadership team that by this point should be able to act as a cohesive team. Oh, wonderful. And you know, all that's well and good, but there is a next step we're going to cover in our next executive challenges. And that's how do you communicate this out to everyone? It's all well and good to have this all written down. But if you don't effectively get it out to the people, who's going to do what? Well, it's all going to fall apart. So stay tuned for next month. And we will talk about over-communicating what we've been talking about in the executive team and the clarity of the mission. Thanks so much, Judy. Thank you. Cirrus Business Group has been helping organizations do great things on multiple continents for several years. If you'd like to learn more about how they can help your organization, check out our website at www.cirrusbusinessgroup.com. That's C-I-R-R-U-S Business Group. Dot com.